Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 100% British, but still absolutely 100% Giants. Kev's not here this week, as his little one's poorly, so he's on dad duty, so I hope she feels better soon, buddy. But it's Dan, Shane and producer Craig back with you to start to break down our roster heading into training camp. As we're now only 53 days away from opening weekend. Boys, how you doing? Yeah, all good. It's good to uh, to be back. Shane, Kev's not with us and... Uh... Kev, I'm sure you'll be listening to the assault, your little ones feeling uh, better soon and look forward to having you on the next episode with us. Yeah, absolutely. Just echo what everyone else has said. Hopefully we'll have you back soon, Kev. It's nice and toasty in the UK at the moment, so I think we're all just sacrificing aircon and fans for uh, a little bit of sweatbox action tonight. We absolutely are. And yeah, for those that don't know, yesterday was the hottest day on record in the UK, tipping 40 degrees centigrade. It's 104 Fahrenheit. It was an absolute disgusting day and today is pretty muggy and pretty sticky but not as hot but yeah we've uh, we've sacrificed our aircon we've sacrificed our fans to bring you this latest episode coming up for you over the next few episodes we've decided that here on the big blue uk island podcast we're going to create our all-time our own all-time team um as we're all sort of 21st century fans with myself and kev followed since like the mid late 2000s to shame being a relative newcomer sort of following from the late sort of 2010s um, we thought it'd be fitting to name our team of the 21st century rather than our sort of all-time historical team. But more of that later on. First off, training camp is around the corner and we're now fully gearing up for the regular season. All of our rookies are signed uh, and we're looking strong going into camp as well. With episode 5 of Giants Life going live this past week, uh, the hype is building for the season. And, uh, and today as well, the announcement came there'll be two legacy games against Chicago on October 2nd and Washington on December 4th, in which the team will wear a classic uniform from the 80s and 90s, including that classic navy helmet everyone loves as well. Uh, it only adds the excitement to that Giants football is really now only three weeks away. Um, how much do you guys love the legacy uniforms? I don't think we've got enough time in this episode to talk about it. I could literally talk about it, like all this episode. Like I mentioned in the group chat earlier, like, oh, I love retro football tops, like World Cup comes and I've got my England. Italian 90 top, my Euro 96 top on, you know, all the all the vintage tops. Um, and I'm the same with Albion tops, you know, I've got Albion tops back to 1978, 1990. Um, so, you know, although I wasn't a Giants fan back in the 80s, I wasn't even born, I know some people were, um, but I certainly was one of the ones who <laughs> wasn't born. But yeah, you know, I just love the, the nod back to... To history, to to like you know a successful period, and you know I'm one of the people who've said like for ages I'd love our colour rush to become our away our away jersey without a doubt, um, and I you know I love the Giants helmet over the MY. So yeah, I'm absolutely I love them. Like it's a, it was literally I seen it and I was like, take my money. Like, I don't care how much, just take my money. Yeah, absolutely. They are the jerseys are phenomenal to look at, and so is everything else that they're doing. You look at. The end zones, you look at the stadium decor, uh, just everything. The, they've really knocked it out of the park with this. And I know that it's been something that Giants fans have kind of been clambering for for a long time. And the Giants released uh, the video earlier that highlighted the fact that this isn't just a, a, a snap decision either. This has been in the, in the cogs for at least a couple of years. So I personally cannot wait to get mine. Yeah, and the uh, the video with LT and Saquon was pretty sweet, wasn't it? But I think that's pretty much we've all we've been talking about all day in the group chat is uh, is the, the uniforms and how goddamn sexy they look. But yeah, take my money. Uh, there's going to be we're all going to be getting one, no doubt. 
Um, so you never know at the, uh, the at the Packers game in London, you might see us all wearing our throwback um, legacy jerseys of various different names. Love it. The fact that it's been in the in the workings and in the makings for two years, it just shows that you know fans clearly want you know some some classic and some historical jerseys brought back. And like you, Shane, I, I think the the colour rush would be so much better as our road jersey. But I, I absolutely love retro jerseys too. I've, I mean, I've I've never thrown away a football jersey. I've never thrown away a football shirt. I've got every single Man United shirt from the day I was like four or five years old still away in my cupboard somewhere. They don't fit me anymore, but it doesn't matter. I've still got them. And yeah, I think when, when England play, I've still I've got my Euro 96 shirt. I've got even got the sort of replica 1966 long sleeve red jersey as well. So I'm, I'm a massive fan of retro retro wear and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with these uh, with these new jerseys that are coming out. So yeah, take my money, Giants. You've got us all hooked. Um, but now I said, now I said uh, at the start of the podcast, we're going to start to break down our roster as we head into training camp. And this week, we're starting off with three positions. We're starting off with quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Starting off with our QBs, obviously, Dan Jones. It's make or break here for him, as we've already said many times previously in this podcast. And the fact that his fifth-year option was turned down, it really does mean that this is... This has got to be his year, otherwise next year is a see you later, mate. And with Mike Glennon and his neck long gone, and that pun was absolutely intended, Dan Jones has now got some serious competition in the quarterback's room in the form of Tyrod Taylor. Sixth round pick out of Virginia Tech in 2011, having won a Super Bowl ring of the Ravens in 2012, and being voted to the Pro Bowl as a starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. He brings a wealth of experience to the team, um, having started for Buffalo, Cleveland and the Chargers, and Houston. The only major concern for me really is that he lost his starting role as last three teams due to injury. So if he's called upon, can he stay healthy? It's a bit harsh, isn't it, with the whole Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers though? Because wasn't it the team doctor who was to, supposed to be giving him a jab and ended up puncturing his lung or something? Which is why Herbert came in. I, I, feel, I feel sorry for him because that was his last one. <laughs> one of his last ones. Yeah. One of his last ones. But yeah, I mean... He's he's not had much luck in the last few years, but you know hopefully that if he is called upon, he can stay healthy. I think at any point if he is called upon this season, that's, that that's that's the the final nail in the coffin for Dan Jones. It might happen. It you know depends on how the season goes, but I, I'm quite glad that we've got an experienced quarterback in 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 Tara Taylor in our quarterbacks room just to give that that extra bit of competition to Dan Jones and maybe push him a little bit more and maybe give him something new to learn. You know we've got a a, t- a ten year veteran. He's going into his eleventh year in the league now, so he's he's got a lot of a wealth of experience, and he's worked with lots of different coaches as well. So, you know, hopefully, it only means good things for Dan Jones. And this year also sees the return of our third round pick from twenty seventeen, Davis Webb, having been with the Jets and Bills over the last four years. He returns under the new regime to looking to make an impact. Do you reckon he'll make much of an impact, or is he third string? And that's about it. No, I think he's just a third string QB kind of. Um getting ready to become a QB coach kind of thing. I think that's why he's been, he's been brought in. I think, was he offered a job in Buffalo, potentially? And he opted to come here. So, you know, he's someone who's going to be a little bit familiar with what Dave going to want to run. And obviously, he's mentioned that, like, you know, he's been having chats with, with Pat Mahomes and, and, and Kafka and hopefully he can sort of rely on more of his coaching stuff. So we're not going to be relying on for his, for his quarterback talent if we have something that's gone drastically wrong. Um, but, you know, we'll get into all these positions separately. But I do think it's quite funny that with the three positions we're looking at today, 
every player at the position has got, he's kind of got a make or break kind of year. Um, and we'll come on to the other ones shortly. But, you know, this is, but there's no no more excuse with Daniel Jones, you know. He, he, he literally is boom up. It's not just for the Giants, I don't think. I think he's boom up potentially for his career. You know, it's um, he's, he's, got to, he's got to show he's the guy, and I really, really hope he is. I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think he's going to prove to be the guy, but I really, really want him to prove me wrong. Um, you know, I'd love to go into next year's draft saying, okay, you know what, we've got we've got a late pick because Danny Dons has balled out um, and we can look at, you know, the cornerbacks because we, we want to get a better cornerback or we can look at linebackers. I don't want to be sitting here saying, okay, we might need to trade up and go and get that quarterback because we've let Danny Dons walk. Yeah, I think what you said, Dan, is pretty much on the money. If Dan Jones is benched for any other reason than injury and Tyrod comes in, that's him done. There's, I don't think there's any way back from that and that, that will pretty much be that nail in the coffin. We all would like Dan Jones to do well this season and it will be, you know, I think in in his head, if it doesn't go well, he'll want to do it on his own terms and not, not kind of be replaced. So it is, it's a massive, massive year for him but Tyra Taylor is the sort of backup that's going to make a massive difference if he does have to jump in a lot better than anything we've seen in previous years I literally cannot think of the last time we had a backup quarterback of that calibre on the roster yeah you have to go back quite a, quite a long long time probably back to when Eli was uh, was Kurt Warner's backup um, but obviously Eli at the time was a untested rookie so obviously there wasn't really much yeah obviously he was the number one overall pick but he wasn't proven. He he didn't have that level of talent that's been seen around the league. So, yeah, it's been a long time since we have had a real class backup, and he's going to push Dan Jones all the way. I think. I find it interesting that um, that people don't know. I'm, I'm a massive listener of another Giants podcast, the Giants Insider. They were saying on there, Chris who goes to the the camps and that he thinks he wouldn't be surprised if. Dan Jones and balling it, it could be replaced as early as week four or week five. Now, if that happens, if that happens, do we? If that happens, do we look to trade Dan Jones? What would you get for him? Completely sway. What did Baker Mayfield just before? And he hasn't. And he hasn't really played to the level that Baker has. Baker's had a playoff run, I want to say. So you know, I think you're looking. Don't forget the trade for Baker wasn't even a draft pick for the draft coming up. It's a 2024 pick. Yeah. So. You know, you might go twenty twenty six seventh rounder if you look at. But that's the thing. If if by if by week four he's benched and Tyra Taylor comes in, do do you cut your losses? Do you think he's never he's never going to make it with us? Maybe he's best off going somewhere else and giving him the chance to work with someone else. I mean, I think if he's benched that early, someone's got to go drastically wrong. Like we've got to be talking zero to two touchdowns for twelve plus picks. You know, we're talking something drastically wrong, but I don't think it'll be that early. Um, like I've mentioned previously on the podcast, I do believe Tyrod Taylor's been brought in not only as a backup, but I do believe he's been brought in to be that bridge QB if he's needed in 12 months' time. He's been proven with it. I'm sure he was in Cleveland with Baker. He was in LA with Herbert. He was in Houston with um, Davis Mills. So he's got that proven track record. I think it was he in Buffalo when... Uh, Josh Allen was there. Yeah. So he, well, he, no. Josh Allen was drafted. Uh, so he he was a starter, and then Josh Allen was drafted, and Josh Allen took over from him. So he, he he's got that history of sort of being at a training camp, a rookie QB, got the experience of showing him kind of how things work, and 
So, you know, I, I don't believe Tyra Taylor was just brought in as a backup person. I do believe he's brought in with one eye on on, on next year if we do have to go for a new QB. Yeah, I think, I think maybe, you know, I think give Dan Jones at least the first eight weeks of the season because obviously week nine we've got the bye. Give him the first eight weeks of the season and if we're if we've got a winning record or a, at least a competitive record by the time we go on by, I think we'll then see Dan Jones in the second half of the season. If we're sitting at sort of like one and seven or something stupid like that, then what have we got to lose by benching him and putting Tyrod in and, and trying to get some wins over the, the last half of the season? Because um, you never know, you know, ten wins might win the East. So you know, it, it, it could could be in a position where we could still technically win the division and putting Tyrod in might give that extra bit of oomph. And just something different, you know, behind behind centre or under centre. So we'll see. I mean, we've we've talked about Dan Jones at length on this podcast over the over the last year. The pressure's still on him as much as it was this time last year, um, if not more now, and remains to be seen. But I think if he if he can stay healthy, if he can play well, I think the 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 the, the starting job is absolutely his um, for the whole season. But we'll, we'll see what happens. In case anyone's wondering, I don't want. I'm not hoping he fails. I'm really not. That like we we all want him to succeed. Like we all want to sit here in, you know, week two, week eight, week fourteen, and at the end of the season, say, you know what, Daniel Jones proved me wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm not the sort of person who's gonna who wants to sort of be who, who wants to sit here going, I told you, I told you, he's no good. I want him to prove me wrong. So, you know, I don't want people thinking we're saying we want Daniel Jones to fail because we don't. If if Jones is failing, the Giants are failing, and we're all Giants fans, and none of us want to see the Giants fail. So you know we do want him to succeed. Yeah, absolutely, we do. Um, you know, we're we're we are fully behind him. We are, we, you know, we do. We want him to do well, and we want him to and to play well, and and to really, do we want him to be there in twelve months' time? I mean, it'd be nice, yeah. Um, even the thing is, even if he does play well this year, does that guarantee him then he's a starter next year? Do they see in the off season a better option somewhere else? You know, again, there's these questions. They'll they'll be answered come January, whether we're in the playoffs or not, and then moving forward into 2023 but there's a lot of unanswered questions about Dan Jones and he's got a lot to answer this season that's for sure running backs then this is Saquon Barkley's comeback year surely the first season he's going into 100% healthy since his rookie year obviously there's a lot of hope and expectation on his shoulders as well as, as much as Dan Jones as well will we see that athletic freak that we were exposed to in his rookie year or will he fall short of expectations I think he's going to bounce back massively. I feel like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now. Um, I feel like when he's come back previously, he's not had that kind of chip. But whereas now he's turned he's, he's actually come out and said, you know, when I've bounced back this year, don't come and jump on the Saquon bandwagon just because I'm doing well. Look, he, he said words to that effect. Because, you know, there's been chatter in the media about, you know, if he can be that player and, you know, you know, he's, he's another one who it's a make or break year. The difference is if Daniel Jones has a good year, we 100% bring him back. I don't know if we bring Barkley back, even if he has a great year. It's going to come down to what Barkley's wanting money-wise. And, you know, I am a little bit biased. I'm a Penn State loyal. You know, Saquon's one of the reasons why I was a Giants fan and a Penn State fan, because I, I enjoyed watching him that much. And, and it was, a, you know, match made in heaven for me when a Penn State player gets drafted by a Giants. By the Giants, it was like, you know, perfect. The, 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 uh, Clouds of a line, so to speak. But I'm personally hoping that we are tapping his agent up about a deal now. You know, if we could get him signed now for about nine, ten, eleven a year right now, I'd I'd do it hands down. Problem is, if he has a great year, he's going to come back and he's going to want 
you know, Christian McCaffrey money. And I don't think he's, he's worth Christian McCaffrey money. In his rookie year, he was absolute beast. Even if he had a beast of a year this year, that's great. But it's those years in the middle where, you know, he's had a few injuries. Some of them not always been his fault, like last year's injury against the Cairo girls, you know, it was just a freak accident. But, you know, I, I do think he's going to bounce back. He's got that little bit of a chip on his shoulder, a bit of an attitude now. And I, I am hoping that he, he does come back as long as it's right for both sides. You know, he's getting paid what you kind of want and we're not getting ripped off. I think it's promising to see that Barkley is, this year is potentially not going to be used solely as a running back either. He's going to be a proper little gadget player. He's going to be lined up out wide. He's going to be catching a lot of passes. And that rookie year, he absolutely tore it apart when he was given room to run in space. So those little check downs that we're going to see, and hopefully we'll see them from week one, because there's no reason we should start conservative. I want us to go with a bang. I just I look at the rest of that list of running backs. Breeders obviously is a good veteran again, very much like Tyrod. He's is a great veteran to have. He's got previous with the coaching staff. You look at those other names, including our mate Gary, and I'm sorry, Gary, but Corbin is the only one that kind of excites me because he's he's an unknown. Platzgum has been on the roster for how many years now? Or the cusp three. Yeah, something like that. He's obviously been part of the uh, the IPP, hasn't he? The National Player Pathway. And you just think by now, if he doesn't, if he gets practice squad stashed again, I'd, uh, yeah, if he if he gets practice squad, it's not going to happen for him. No, Antonio Williams. We signed him from Buffalo, didn't we? So he was he was undrafted last year. Was it last year or twenty twenty? Yeah, rookie free agent in twenty twenty. So spent twenty twenty with Buffalo, and then spent the whole of last year on the practice squad at Buffalo as well. So he's been with them for the last two years. So obviously, Coach Stable's familiar with him. Um, but I, I I don't know enough about him, to be fair. Rookie year, 12, 12 attempts, 63 rushing yards, two touchdowns. So, yeah, limited, limited game time. I wonder if this is where you look at Breeder. And you, you, obviously, Breeder and Barkley are locks, aren't they, to make this roster. And then you look at the others. Corbin's probably win with a shout. It'll be interesting to see if there's any you know, cut day candidates for another potential veteran to come into that lineup. I think Platzgummer must have made an impression for them for him to still be around. The fact that he's no longer part of the international player pathway, he must have made a, an impression on the previous coaches to be still around. Obviously the fact that obviously we know what new coaches and he is still there as well. They obviously want to see what he can do, but I think yeah it's it's looking tough for him. But yeah, going back to Matt Breeder, I think the fact that he's got, what, five, six years experience? He played for the Niners, Dolphins and Bills, didn't he? He's a pretty decent back. I think he's over 2,000 yards rushing in total so far in his career, plus 13 total touchdowns as well. So he looks like the sort of ideal experience number two. And then, yeah, like I said, there's our, our mate Gary Brightwell. Will he make the roster? Will he get a chance behind Barkley and Breeder? be nice to have the free Bs, wouldn't it? But I don't know. It's going to be tough for our mate Gary to get to get a spot on the roster. He might, you never know. He might end up on the practice squad again. But yeah, the Barkley and Breeder are definite locks. And then behind that, I like Corbin. I think he's he's exciting, and he might bring that sort of rookie, sort of un, you know, undrafted rookie, that hunger and wanna and wanna prove himself and, and get that third spot. Because we'll, we'll go with three backs. After that, the rest are going to be on practice squad. I think or cut. 
now looking at our receivers as well, so you'd you'd be right to think we've got an unbelievably talented receiving core. Obviously, Kenny G, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Slayton, rookie Wondell Robinson. Those five just by themselves look like one of the most exciting, intriguing groups of receivers in the league. Is this the most exciting bunch of receivers we've having had in recent memories? Do you guys think? I I think it's an overrated bunch. Personally, I think you know. Again, when I when I mentioned earlier, and there's questions at all these positions, Kenny Galladay. You know, this is a not not a make or break year, but I believe that after this year, he's the first potential we've got to get an out of his contract. And the fact he's on big money, he's got to prove himself. Yeah, exactly. And this is what I mean. You know, again, he's another player who's kind of you know, okay, Kenny G, you're earning big money. You've got to earn it now because you don't. You're going to potentially get dropped in a, in a year's time. So you know, you got Kenny G. Come over last year, you could argue underutilised, not utilised correctly, but, you know, he didn't step up when we needed him to, and that's why we brought him in, because we needed that big, big wide receiver. Sterling Shepard, absolutely love him as a person. As a player, he just can't stay fit. Canaris Tony. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Careful. <laughs> I just feel like I hate on Canaris Tony constantly, and I really don't mean to, because when we seen him last year, oh, he was so exciting. Look, that Saints game, when he was getting the ball and, you know, the Cowboys. So when he's on the field, he's an absolutely phenomenal talent. But that's the thing, when he's on the field. Darius Slayton, you know, there's been, I think he's a two, two and a half million against the cap this year. So, you know, there's been talked about cap casualty, could he be cut, traded, etc. And then you've got Wondale Robinson, who um, I'm warming to the idea of having drafted him. I didn't like it. I still feel at the time there's better wide receivers on the board, but, you know, it's not. I'm not the GM, so, you know, the Giants do what the Giants need to do. I am more confident that we're going to use him the way he needs to be used than if we had done under previous regimes. But, you know, he's small. We've, we've got to use him the right way. And I think that's the big key thing there is using him the way he needs to be used. And look, I do think we, we, we're going to look to do it. We just need to rely on him as the, as the talent and that he's the talent the team believe he is having drafted him. Uh, and then after that, it's just like a bunch of names that I feel like we see all, all the time. CJ Board, Colin Johnson, David Seals, Alex Backman. Yeah, those those guys. You know, we were, we were all in the all on on the, on the David Seals bandwagon last year, weren't we? And then obviously we didn't make the squad. What can he do this year to make the squad? Who knows? There's a lot of names there. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna see quite a few of them during camp and. After camp, are we going to see many of them, rest of their names on the roster? Probably not. It almost feels like a dartboard situation, doesn't it, with those? Yeah, but it's quite intriguing though. Obviously, we're talking about the uh, the new legacy uniforms. Colin Johnson's uniforms for sale. Colin Johnson's jerseys on on sale on the web on the website. So, is there some, is there anything behind that? You know, the fact that he they've got his jersey along with Slate and Tony Shep and Golladay as well. Is that sort of a, a sort of a little teaser? So no, maybe he's got a big family and they buy all his jerseys. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, but it, it did. It made me wonder. It's like out of all of the out of all of the names on the roster, you can give a jersey to. Well, not necessarily give a jersey, but put a jersey on sale for for, for fans to buy. Colin Johnson. The fact that both of our first round rookies this year, Thibodeau and Evan Neal, they they don't have one of those jerseys on sale. Yeah, I don't think there's any rookies. Is that one Dale Robinson ain't got one either? No, you look at the you look at the the names on the on those jerseys, and they are they are Giants legends, and and obviously the the big name stars that we have at the moment. You know, you've got Osi, you've got 
David Tyree as well, which I think was really cool. I, lo- I love the Tyree jersey. Um, you've got Mike Strahan. You've got, L- obviously, LT, Carl Banks, Mark Bavaro. And then you've got Colin Johnson. It's almost like these guys are in a complete different league to Colin Johnson. So why has Colin Johnson got his jersey? Got you know why? Why are they selling his jersey? Is that that's, that's is that a subliminal message that the Giants are trying to say he's going to be on the roster this year? Slayton's got one, hasn't he? Yeah. Is that is that a precursor to say he's not getting cut? Yeah, true. <laughs> because everything points at Slayton being gone, doesn't it? Like literally everything. But at least Slayton's you know started games recently for you know in the. In the Colin, I mean Colin Johnson. Like, what? Who? Who is this guy? I mean, I know he he played for us last year, but eleven receptions for one hundred and five yards. I'm sorry, you, what? Why? Why? Why is your jersey on sale online? Look, let's get to the point, Dan. Why are you waiting on Colin Johnson? Let's get to the point. <laughs> um, because I think he's shit and he doesn't deserve to be an Or Colin. Is that is that what? Because his name's Colin. You got a thing against Collins? I mean, <laughs> to be to be fair, I don't actually know anyone not anyone named Colin, um, so I don't really have anything against people called Colin. If you're called Colin, I've got nothing against you. Um, but why is your jersey on sale? Why is your jersey on sale? But anyway, my, my father-in-law's a Colin. <laughs> need, need I say more? Need I say more? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. But anyway, going back to going back to receivers, you you just got to look at the list. Like Shane, I, I get what you're saying. You think it's overrated. On paper, those five names, those first five names I said, you know, Golladay, Shep, Tony, Slayton and Robinson, those five names could be an unbelievable receiving core for us. But there's question marks around all of them. I think the only one that doesn't really have question marks around him at the moment is Wanda Robinson because he's obviously he's a rookie. You know, he's obviously... He's not, he's not got the... Um, the pressure on him to perform, I don't think. Nobody expects fireworks from him, whereas everybody expects fireworks from Kenny G. Everybody expects fireworks from Kadarius Tony. Darius Slayton, I've never been a huge fan of his anyway, and I think he's a mediocre receiver at best. But as part of that group, that group could be amazing, but is it going to be amazing? That's that's the question. And the others, CJ Board, obviously he was on the roster last year, Again, mediocre at best. Robert Foster. I don't really know anything about Robert Foster, to be perfectly honest with you. Veteran minimum deal, wasn't it? He... Yeah. Played 2020 with Washington and was on the Cowboys practice squad last year. He's got 32 career receptions for about 600 yards and three touchdowns. So, obviously, there's he's got some experience. Um, David Sills. Oh, he's back. He's he's going to be that camp body again, isn't he? Fighting for fighting for a job. You never know. He might have improved and might actually get a roster roster spot this year. Um, Alex Backman hasn't hasn't caught a pass for the Giants. Hasn't played in a game. Again, he's just going to be another camp body, I think. Uh, Keelan Doss, know nothing about him. On the Jets practice squad last year, and uh, signed by the Giants as a free agent this year. Played for Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders in 2019. 11 catches, 133 yards, no touchdowns. Austin Prohl, 7th round pick by Buffalo. And that's the Buffalo link again. Was most recently with the Buffalo practice squads last year. So obviously there's that Buffalo link again. But he's, ne- he's never played in a, in a game. 
Um, he's always been practice squad. And Travis Toivonen, nice surname, uh, was a rookie free agent signed by the Seahawks last year. And he signed to our practice squad in October last year. So he's been on our practice squad since October. I can only really see him being a practice squad body again. So It does feel like a really unbalanced kind of wide receiver list. Five of the six potentially very talented receivers at the top, all with injury concerns. And then what looks like, and I'm sure they've done plenty of research on this and they know what they're looking for and it's the type of player, etc. But it does sound like there's a lot of unproven talent that they're just hoping ignites towards the bottom there. I think the rest of those, out of the rest of those names, obviously, I think the the only name really that's obviously had any major, well, two names that have had any sort of major experience with the team, obviously, CJ Board and Colin Johnson. But even still, like the likelihood of them making any sort of impact on the team, I think, is very slim. Board had four catches for fifty one fifty one yards last year, and eleven catches for one hundred one yards in twenty twenty. So he hasn't exactly set the world on fire. After those top five names, it, the, I think the, the quality really sort of tails off, and they are most of them are really there just for competition in camp. I think unless unless we we sign some, you know, we, we make we make some moves, and obviously the roster during camp is very fluid, and we know that. So once players get cut, obviously other players can potentially come in to make you know make the final fifty-three come the end of camp. But at the moment, as it stands, the receiver group, the top five names. Yes, I think they would all get get a spot on the roster, but after that, I mean, it's literally pick a name out of the hat, I think. I worry if we get injuries and we have injury-prone receivers. Yeah. I mean, realistically, Tony is still unproven as well. Um, like I said, Slayton has always been that sort of... He's been, you know, last year he was our number two receiver. And again, he didn't really set the world alight last year. So it's, it looks, on paper, those five names could potentially be great. But in reality, it could all go seriously, seriously wrong. Because I think Slayton had what twenty? I think twenty-six catches for three hundred thirty-nine yards last year. Tony had thirty-nine catches for four hundred twenty yards last year. I mean, yeah, I, I, I granted, obviously Dan Jones last year was pretty poor, and the whole team last year was pretty poor. But so we we expect a lot out of these receivers this year. But we'll see what happens, I suppose, with them. Quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. That's our breakdown. Who's going to make the roster? We'll, we'll come the end of camp and we'll, we'll find out. Alongside the breakdown of each each position each week, we're going to bring you our team of the 21st century. So, obviously, we talked about quarterbacks, running backs and receivers this week. So, we're going to bring you our team of the century at those positions. So, quarterback, really, there was only ever going to be one choice. Honourable mention to Kerry Collins. You know, led us to Super Bowl 35 in, in 2000 uh, with the loss to the Ravens. Just under 19,000 passing yards, 81 touchdowns, uh, and three full seasons as a starter. Um, but really, there was only ever going to be one one name on that um, on that team, and that's uh, that's Eli Manning. Obviously, 15 years with the team, um, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, four-time Pro Bowler. He's in the Giants Ring of Honor. He's ninth all-time in passing yards in the league, uh, and the most passing yards by a Giant by some distance. Um, 57, just over 57,000 passing yards and 366 touchdowns. He started 210 consecutive games, uh, consecutive regular season games, sorry, and 12 playoff games, and led the the Giants to the playoffs in six seasons. Um, obviously, two, like I said, two-time Super Bowl MVP winner, and he's definitely 
absolutely cemented himself as the uh, as one of the Giants' all-time great quarterbacks. So I think he's fully deserving of his t- of his place on our Giants' all-time 21st century team. Absolutely. There's no, there's literally nothing more you can say than just risk, list off that man's accolades. There are arguments, obviously, for other quarterbacks from the past. Obviously, we're not touching on them here, but Phil Simms um, and Tittle. Why a Tittle? But the man just he epitomises everything there is about the Giants. Uh, he was a a giant on the field. He was massive for us. He was a captain. He led by example. He was a Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's the only quarterback I've ever known until Dan Jones. Same here. Same here. Just the longevity of the man's career just speaks volumes. When you've got so many quarterbacks going down with injuries these days, it's absolutely unheard of to do what he did. And the fact that it was ended in the way it was, it was just poor. It was a bit of a disgrace, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a reason probably 95% of all Giants fans have an Eli Manning jersey, and that's because he is probably, dare I say it, our greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, some some old school fans might argue with Phil Simms uh, or even Wyatt Tittle, but for me, like, just with the with the league how it it was and is in the twenty first century, he's he's the the great our greatest quarterback of all time. I think, in in my opinion, and that really says it all. The fact that he beat he beat the goat in Tom Brady in in two Super Bowls. The fact that you know, like I said, starting two hundred and ten consecutive games in the regular season sometimes behind a very questionable offensive line. Don't get me wrong, there were plenty of years behind one of the best offensive lines the league's ever seen. But there were some years where the, the offensive line was questionable at best and the fact that he still started that many games in a row was testament to the man. You know, the, amount of, the amount of times he got hit as a quarterback and, and some of the hits he took as well. You know, Just think back to the, the, the pictures of him with grass in his helmet and his... You know, in in his face mask, and he's eating dirt, and he's his face down and face down on the field. Yeah, he got up and he and he carried on. The amount of times he carried on and he was limping, or he'd, he'd hurt his throwing arm even, or his throwing hand even, and he still carried on. It's a testament to man. But yeah, he's, in my opinion, he's definitely he's our, he's the greatest of all time for the Giants. Running backs then. The list for running backs are a little bit longer. Bearing in mind, obviously, this is this is since two thousand. Making the team, we had Tiki Barber. Uh, and Brandon Jacobs. Uh, so Tiki Barber, obviously played for the Giants for nine years, uh, made first team All-Pro in 2005. That was twice voted to the Pro Bowl in 2004 and 2006. He's the Giants rushing leader and is also in the ring of honour. Obviously, while he didn't win a championship with the Giants, he was a standout running back and is, like I said, the all-time leader in rushing yards. He played a total of 154 games for the Giants and at one point, in 2018, he held a total of 22 franchise records. Um, so Tiki Barber absolutely deserves his place on our 21st century all-time team. And then behind Tiki Barber, like I said, Brandon Jacobs. Um, so he was with the team for six years initially, then returned in 2015. Two-time Super Bowl champion in, in 2008 and 2000, well, no, 2007 and 2011. Sorry, He's a leader in Giants rushing touchdowns and he's the fourth most rushing yards. He was originally a fourth-round pick in 2005. And he was one of the team's feistiest players. One of its emotional leaders was an absolute beast behind in the backfield. Um, he could run through the defensive line of the opposing team. And just the sheer strength of the man. And the fact that his son is now just as big as him and he's he's still a teenager is quite scary. And I'm quite <laughs> looking forward to seeing his son play in the league. 
but I absolutely love Brandon Jacobs. You know, he was he was our number one running back when I first became a fan back in the mid two thousands, and you know, he's he's one of our greatest running backs of all time. Honorable mentions go to his uh, his running back um, partner Amar Bradshaw, who was with the team for five years, again winning both Super Bowl forty two and forty six, and is now in his sixth on list of all time rushing yards. 4,200 rushing yards, average of 4.6 yards per carry. Probably scored the most unconventional touchdown in Giants history. Uh, the winning touchdown in Super Bowl 46 against the Patriots where he decided to go in backwards and landed on his ass. But yeah, Amar Bradshaw. So Brent Jacobs and Bradshaw, that tandem in the backfield was, was scary and was a, was a great duo for us in the sort of mid, like late 2000s, early 2010s. And also, honourable mention goes to Saquon Barkley. Obviously, the fact he's won Rookie of the Year, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2018. Almost 3,000 rushing yards so far in his career. Almost 1,500 receiving yards as well. And 27 total touchdowns. You know, he, he's hopefully this year going to be back to his best. And we'll see what he's really what he's really capable of. But honourable mentions go to Bradshaw and to Barkley. Uh, and then finally, moving on to wide receivers. The list of receivers is a bit longer. Um, but we've decided to go for uh, Victor Cruz and also Amani Tuma. Victor Cruz, I mean, I absolutely love the guy. Um, again, he was with the team sort of early 2010s when he was one of the most exciting receivers in the league. He won the won the um, Super Bowl with the Giants in 20 in 2011. Uh, was voted to the Pro Bowl. Was second team All Pro in 2011 as well. And he tied the NFL record for the longest touchdown pass of 99 yards against the New York Jets on Christmas Eve. Remember that play like it was yesterday. And he obviously he became a household name after going undrafted in 2010. And he immediately became a top receiver for the Giants as well. Uh, he's 11th all-time in, in Giants history in receiving yards. Um, so he deserves his place on our 21st century all-time team. And then Amani Tuma um, won the... Super Bowl with the Giants in twenty in two thousand and seven, he's on the right. He's on the Ring of Honor, and he holds the record for receiving yards and receiving touchdowns for the Giants. So he he set many records during his career with the team, sixteen in total. Um, and during the ninety nine to two thousand and three seasons, he became a starting wide receiver. He broke the record for receptions in a season of seventy nine, and he had eleven hundred eighty three yards in that season as well. In the 2007 season, total 59 receptions to 760 yards and three touchdowns. And he was a leader on the offense as well. He was an absolutely great receiver. So uh, Victor Cruz and Amani Tuma are on our 21st century all-time team. Honorable mentions, Odell Beckham Jr. Just because of the, the sheer talent of the guy. Um, he's a polarizing figure in New York. And he really sort of um, set the world alight with his catch against Dallas in his rookie year. And he put the Giants on the map for a lot of people. Three-time Pro Bowl pick, 2014 to 2016. And second most receiving yards of all time. His on-field production um, was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but just a shame about his off-field antics sometimes. Ike Hillard was around in the early 2000s on the team. Played for eight years. Caught 368 catches. 4,630 yards and 27 total touchdowns. Don't know much about the guy, but his numbers... Mean that he he got he gets an honourable mention that's for sure. Uh, Plaxico Barris, apart from the fact he shot himself in the leg, literally four years on the team, two hundred forty four receptions, almost four thousand receiving yards, and thirty three total touchdowns, catching the winning touchdown pass in Super Bowl forty two against New England when we really upset the form book and uh, 
stopped uh, stopped the, the Patriots going unbeaten in that season. Steve Smith, uh, four seasons, 220 receptions, 2,300 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. His uh, year in 2009, um, 107 catches for 1,220 yards made, means he made the Pro Bowl that year and he won Super Bowl 42 as a rookie. Mario Manningham, four years with the team, 160 receptions, 2,300 yards receiving and 18 touchdowns. Caught the crucial sideline catch in Super Bowl 46, uh, which set up the sort of winning drive to, to win that game. And Hakeem Nix, alongside Manningham, um, obviously Super Bowl 46 champion, caught 318 passes for just shy of 5,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. Currently ranking ninth in receiving yards and 10th in receptions, Giants all-time. Um, was a great receiver and I think sometimes underrated receiver as well. And then the longest tenured giant we currently have on the roster, Sterling Shepard, gets an honourable mention as well. Uh, six years with the team so far, 349 receptions for just shy of 4,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. That's a long list, I know, but they all get honourable mentions because they're all great receivers. Uh, but we've gone for Victor Cruz and the Marnie team to make the all-time team of the 21st century. Yeah, I think I, I can agree with, with all of them. I still feel like there's a case for Beckham. If you look at the stats that he put up in the short amount of time that he was with us, considering he literally made a splash as a rookie almost instantly, and if it wasn't for the off-field antics, he was on pace to to better Toomer's receiving yards. He was just over half at the point where he left with almost half of the receptions as well. So... He, he could have been up there. If he would have stayed, I do believe he would have more receiving yards than, than anyone. But I think his attitude problem towards the end sours the taste a little bit with with what he did. Because there's no doubt he was probably the most talented receiver we've ever seen. And he has proven it in bits and bobs with Cleveland and with the Rams as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a sad one for Beckham. I think he's, he would be a shoo-in if he stayed, but it's probably the right decision to have Cruz over him. So you think Cruz would go in over Beckham, yeah? I think, I think yeah, I think it's it's close. I mean, Cruz was just an exemplary professional, and the fact that he was an undrafted rookie and, and came in and set the world alight with no expectation, just purely through hard work, I think that speaks a lot for his character, and that's what was missing for Odell. Well, the thing is with Cruz, he, he tore he tore his ACL in his first preseason with the team, and then obviously he had to then go through rehab, and then came back the next preseason and landed himself a spot on the roster, and the rest is history, as they say. And you know the fact that we we were all salsa dancer along with him means that he he deserves his place on the team. But yeah, there's the, I mean you can make a case for a lot of those receivers I I, I mentioned um, to be on that team. You know, we had some. We've had some extremely talented receivers over the last few years. Um, we've been blessed with the receivers we've had um, o- over the last sort of fifteen, twenty years. Um, so you could really make a case for for any of them to be with, with in that sort of all time team of ours. But yeah, I think Victor Cruz just for the impact he made, and it was, it was a feel good story for him. And Amani Toomer, just the fact he's he's a leader in receiving yards for the franchise, and just an all round good guy. Um, I think he, he deserves his spot on there as well. Anything to add? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, he's all, all for my time. Um, they didn't have the likes of Saquon or OBJ to try and please me either, by the way. Obviously, I've only been a fan since sort of like 
2018 was my first proper season. So I joined halfway through the 2017 season. So, you know, when you, when you watch your team have a losing year every single year, there's not really many players making case for having to be in this list. Yeah, I get you. But um, hopefully there's some winning seasons on the horizon, mate. Let's put it that way. Um, so that's the first five positions of the Big Blue UK and Ireland team of the 21st century. Find out next time who else makes it. If you agree with our decisions, if you disagree with our decisions, let us know. Get in touch with us via the usual ways at Big Blue UK IRL on Twitter, on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page, and also via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about our first five picks of a 21st century all-time team. We're going to finish off this week as usual by opening up our mailbag. And we've got one question in from a few weeks back from regular listener and Big Blue UK and Ireland super fan, Ashley Platt. Evening, Ashley. He asks us, to the college football experts, well, there's one in the room this week and that's Shane. So Shane, this question's for you. What do you use to track players and rosters during the season? I spend my Saturdays watching games, so other than seeing a good game from the odd player, I see nothing. And he also adds a second question, was that one short enough? I can answer your second question, Ash. Yes, that was short enough. Thanks very much. Shane, first question, what's, what's the answer for that? No question, I just, there's only me that can answer this. So it's, it kind of depends, in, in all honesty, as to what you mean by tracking players. So the issue you get with college is not all sites kind of have the same stats. And I know you're probably thinking that makes no sense. I don't actually understand why it is. So what I'll usually do is I'll cross-reference a couple of different websites. Um, so I'll maybe get ESPN open uh, and I'll open up a couple of other websites and I'll kind of see what, what sort of stats players have got. And then what I actually do is I make my own spreadsheet. So like kind of players who have been spoken about quite a lot, players who maybe I've heard mentioned or players who stood out to me and I sort of track players that way by updating my own kind of little spreadsheet. College stats are quite hard to come by. I mean, you know, you get um, leading up to the draft, there were some players in the draft who I wasn't 100% sure on even what their age was. It was quite difficult to find this information out, even like, you know, after I've attended the combine. But I'm not too sure as to why that keep it a secret. I'll, I'll probably have a little bit of a guess as my suspicion. Maybe because they're older than they say they are. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you can draft a 21-year-old or a 24-year-old, you're going to get a 21-year-old, you can get more years of production. So, yeah, it's, it's really weird with college. So, yeah, so ESPN's one I definitely use. Um, and I, I use a couple of other websites. Um, if you're interested in finding them websites, hey, just drop us a DM and I'll happily send you the links. And I've no issues during the season sharing my little geeky spreadsheet that I've got. Nice one. Thanks, Shane. We'll, uh, we'll keep that question and we'll ask Kev next week and see if he does anything different. So then you can have the best of both worlds. Ash, I hope that's all right for you. But yeah, thanks for getting in touch, mate. Sorry it's taken a little while to answer, but um, I'm sure you realise we, uh, we haven't recorded in the last couple of weeks. So thanks for your question, buddy. That is all we've got time for this week, though. Uh, we'll be back next time to bring in a breakdown of the rest of our offence. So tight ends and Shane's favourite subject, the offensive line. <laughs> Although, hopefully with a bit more optimism about the offensive line this time, this this, this year round. Um, and we'll also announce uh, who's made our 21st century team in each of those positions too. So at tight ends and at every position on the O-line. Uh, anything else to add before we go, guys? Just as Dan alluded to, then we've not recorded in a couple of weeks. Um, so, like, you know, we do apologise for that. We've, we've just been busy with the summer, all kinds of things have been going on with our own personal lives and workloads, etc. But we do assure you, from here on out, it's literally up to the floor. You know, we've got a good plan of what we're going to be doing when we're going to be recording, when we're going to get the recordings out, etc. Um, so, you know, apologies for the, the, the kind of silence over the last couple of weeks, but we can assure you that my wonderful Black Country accent is going nowhere. 
and here on eight it will be weekly episodes um, and you know just the usual we ask from you if you can submit mailbag questions anything at all will get answered 100% and the usual you know likes retweets leaving us reviews on um, iTunes as well be massive help yeah the same goes for Twitter we've been on and off Twitter for the last few weeks um, however we're ramping things up again keep an eye out uh, there'll be some some more polls thank you for all your interaction a couple of weeks ago with choosing mine and Dan's college football teams they will be chosen before the season so keep an eye out for those obviously we need Kev here to help Shane with the pitches because you know we don't want Shane spinning his own web trying to push us down towards uh, reinstating Penn State into the conversation after they were uh... that's a such a subject we're happy with that one who did they get beat out by? Uh, I cannot remember right now. Uh, we can go back on go back on Twitter and have a look. I know it was a shit team. <laughs> You're bound to say that, Shane. Really. <laughs> There's no bitterness whatsoever. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but do keep an eye on, on Twitter. There, There's some potential news that may be going out the day this comes out. It might come out a few days after. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on that. And... Let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah, cool. Um, I just want to add congrats to Craig, producer Craig, for um, becoming a contributor to the uh, Full 10 Yards Network. Woo! You can find his first article on the Full 10 Yards Network website, um, all about Giants rookies, I believe. Um, no, it's about rookies, isn't it? Yeah, it's not just Giants rookies. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of love for Dan Bellinger in there. So go and give it a read. Uh, it's on his on his personal Twitter page. And I'm sure we'll put a link to it on our Twitter page as well. But yeah, congrats to you, mate. Well done. I'm really happy for you. And uh, hopefully the uh, future's bright for you with the full 10 yards network. Yeah, cheers, guys. That feature is something that I'm going to do at the end of the preseason. And there'll be one every week throughout the season as well. And no doubt there'll be other articles, Giants-related articles and all kinds of good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we look forward to all of that, Craig. As I said earlier, you can get in touch with us uh, all the usual ways on Twitter, on Facebook, via email. Let us know what you think of the first three positions of our 21st century team. Well, let us know what you think about our breakdown of the three positions on the roster as well. Is there anyone you'd have on the uh, the 21st century team instead? Is there anyone you want to bring into the roster? Is there anyone you want to get off the roster? Who do you think is going to make the 53-man team? Let us know. Get in touch. Tweet us, email us. My thanks as ever go to Shane and to Craig for joining me. And to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off until next time. Go Giants!